Ace the true party king, architect of the scheming mind palace. Hello, 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 and welcome to question zero zero two one of the scheming mind palace. I'm your host, Luke Rovelli, here again. It's been a, a little bit of a detour. <sighs> been messing around with the mine palace. <laughs> I'll throw it up right over there. Basically, my latest agricultural expedition, learning to cultivate my own nutritional oasis and teaching others to do the same (laughs) as I hope through this wild experiment but before we get into today's poem I felt like with all of the insanity that's going on in the world that I should give a a few cents of my own perspective because I don't know while many might believe or perhaps it's just my own superficial understanding that why would anyone want to listen to what a little white boy has to say about (laughs) this whole situation I kind of feel like that's the root of the overall problem I feel like A lot of the problems that you tend to have is based upon this sort of color-based racial determinology that many of us have (coughs) just accepted as normal. Because it's interesting how unnatural those specific terms are. If I were to look back at (laughs) my own childhood. There was this time when, I remember quite clearly, I was on the subway and there was a man that sat right across from us. And I remember my father saying like, you know, look at that. And (laughs) the way I'm saying this is kind of taking a bit of context. I don't quite remember how it initiated but there was a moment in the conversation where he said, like, oh, well, you know, he's black. And, you know, like, we're white. And I just looked at him so perplexed and confused because this man who my father had determined or had told me was black, in my opinion, was just a very light shade of brown. And when he told me that we were considered white, now that was even more hilarious because in my opinion, I was just like a little peachy pink color and my dad is one of the tannest people that I know. If anything, I saw him as even darker than this individual that he had claimed was black, which is why it, as a child, just stuck out so so much to me as like what what are we doing? Like, what is this terminology? This is so silly. Like, is he colorblind? Like, what does my dad say? <laughs> this is ridiculous. 
what is this terminology, but <clears throat> just over time we come and I even came to accept that like, oh, that's, I guess this is just the way the world is. But <clears throat> I, I kind of refuse to believe that because even after that incident, even after I could tell I began accepting such a situation as me being considered white. I even looked at the people I dated, the people that I interacted with, and I never saw them as like, oh, they're this race, or like the fact that I dated people of every considered color on the spectrum. And I never thought of it as like, oh, I'm checking off a little list of all of the races that I can collect. It's like, no, I just saw them as beautiful people that I wanted to date. And when it came to my friends, I just saw them as very fun people who we would nerd out about video games or whatever. <laughs> like, I never saw them as Asian or black or white or purple. <laughs> like, it, it was all just kind of hilarious. And I feel as though one of the other problems is that we tend to focus too much on the color and not the culture. Because when I look at my own history, like I'll end this little spiel shortly, but when I look at Italian history and the history of how the Italian race was considered black for a while, and then it was changed, ironically enough, due to Christopher Columbus Day, where there was enough lobbying and changing of the terminology to the point where people just decided, hey, you know what, Italians, we aren't black. And, of course, that's a pretty messed up method of creating equality, of just being like, oh, no, we're just not part of that group, we're part of this other group. My idea is that example of how Italians were able to transition from being considered black to white kind of casts this entire thing as being ridiculous and preposterous that we even consider color of skin as a determining factor of who we are. Like, when I see someone, so my friends who are Haitians, my friends who are Jamaican, or African, I see them, especially if they're quite close to the culture they're from, as quite different from each other. And it's awesome and beautiful how different they are from each other. And to sort of, in, in a way, blackwash them as like, oh, they're all just this skin color. It, it just ruins the beauty of this cosmopolitan mix that we have of a country. How we're able to... <clears throat> combine all these different ethnicities together. And I feel like that's also one of the main problems that the United States faces and the reason why a lot of people seem to believe that the U.S. is such a huge problem in this area. When in fact, it's not that the U.S. is a specific problem, it's that the U.S. exacerbated a problem that was already left over from like the 1700s where this thing originated. 
because the U.S. was such a cosmopolitan mix of different cultures and colors and everything. So, of course, our examples of the problems of the scars of our past are so much more relevant than other countries because other countries just don't have that same amount of mixing. And, you know, if we look at, let's say, China, for an example, uh, the way that they deal with their Muslim population is horrendous. <laughs> and that's something that, you know, like how, how do we even compare that to anything we're doing in the modern day or even in our own history? Even as we, you know, we did enslave and do horrendous things and segregate peoples of different skin colors and race and religions, but at least we didn't attempt to wipe the entire culture off the face of the planet. At least we didn't try to pretend like they don't exist and we just send off the men and have our, have like troops come into the homes and basically just remove the culture from existence. Because that's a modern example. Like these examples exist all throughout. So the way I see it, as long as corporations are willing to <laughs> continue pretending that they care about Black Lives Matter by posting a black rectangle along with some white text talking about how much diversity is important to them. And yet when it comes to China, they're more than willing to deal with the, or push along the segregation and just ignore something that to them is rather inconvenient. Like here I'll throw up another great photo that I just love. It's so perfectly encapsulates the hypocrisy of corporate, uh, I don't know, corporate pride. Like, you know, now we're in Pride Month too, of June. It's like this whole period of, oh, we're all coming together and look how wonderful, <laughs> you know, we all care about equality, but except for in China. <laughs> like they'll have the uh, Star Wars, like seven, the seventh Star Wars movie where they showed the comparison of the the American and I guess also the rest of the world's poster of the movie and the version they have in China. And if you look at them side by side, you notice an eerily absent African-American character who has moved from a pretty prominent position to in China where it's like really off the center and ironically, also all of like the stormtroopers and they like very like, oh, we are homogenous group of troops as like really much larger. So it's really showing a quite panderous nature <laughs> to that government body. So as such, I feel like as long as corporations are going to continue to ignore the existence of true racial destruction and other instances in places like China, they're just a bunch of hypocrites and a damn black rectangle isn't gonna change a thing. So, having said that, let's move on to today's poem. <laughs> 
which I'm ironically wearing right now. So let me just pop it off. And read to you the poem for this week, which is Why Fear the Foreign. Felt like this is a, a perfect week to discuss such a poem, as we all seem to be worrying about the other and by sort of casting us as a black and white country and what other colors in the mix, I feel like it only exacerbates the problem of foreignness and the fear that tends to occur. So, on to the poem of the week. Why fear the foreign? Our nature necessitates familiarity feeling physical ease and solidarity. For our ritualistic routines refine dogmatic delusions of the divine. So, that is the poem for this week. I shall briefly go over what it is we're talking about and then I'll leave you on your merry way. So, why fear the foreign indeed? As I see it, the problems that we currently face as a country and as a population, as Malcolm, F, as Malcolm X said, the problems that we face in terms of race or, you know, the tribalistic nature of humans is not something that can even be positioned in terms of an American issue. It's a global issue. It's a human issue. And as I say, our Nature necessitates familiarity, feeling physical ease in solidarity. We are tribal creatures. Like I often discuss, the history of mankind is for 99% of it in these non, I don't know, these non societal mechanisms. Like we were tribal people, we were hunter gatherers. We just found whatever food was around. And if we saw someone we didn't recognize, they were likely from an enemy tribe and had to kind of kill them, <laughs> probably because we didn't know. And we were afraid because you normally tend to be afraid of that which you don't understand. <sighs> because our ritualistic routines refine the dogmatic delusions of the divine. This idea that <sighs> the idea that as we move through our day repeating and repeating that which we know to be true, our ritualistic routines as I briefly just said we, we become subservient to them because, you know, we love familiarity. We love having these repetitive things that we do day in and day out because that's just who we are as humans. 
exacerbates, allows us to be more productive, the more we can automate in our lives. And the more we introduce rituals, the more we can discuss the, uh, the problems that we tend to encounter in our days, especially as we're all working from home. Like one of the main problems from working with home is, you know, <laughs> we tend to not be able to separate the work life from the home life. And the rituals tend to be very useful in terms of being able to separate. Like, you know, you have a coffee in the morning, boom, it's work time. Once that laptop is closed, we shut off the lamp. We really just isolate ourselves from that work environment. We're able to put ourselves back into like a more relaxing mode and we don't feel as exhausted. <sighs> and then we think that that's the truth, that that is reality, that is what meaning is in our lives because this routine that we've set up has worked for us for so long, why question it? Well, sometimes you need to question those things that make you uncomfortable. And it's through that that we can actually introduce true change in our world because you can't just hope that some foreign entity is going to create change in our world. Like we will have to be the ones that force the change. It has to be through our actions, through our protests, that true change is possible. So, it's through that that I will also be introduced to the fact that I'm going to be doing some webinars. So yeah, I'm going to be discussing certain topics such as rituals and how spatial organization leads to mental optimization. So this Thursday, June 11th at noon Eastern Standard Time and also I will be doing one on Saturday at the same time noon Eastern Standard Time. I'll be discussing spatial optimization and just in general, the foundation of the Mind Palace where I came up with this whole philosophy. I mean, I have my earlier episodes, but after having gone back to those first episodes, I'm like, oh, this is so cringy. How can anyone listen to this crap? Oh, yeah. When I look at that stuff, I'm just like... Oh no, that's so bad. <laughs> so, hopefully in this webinar, I will be able to discuss certain topics that I was not as eloquent earlier because I was just starting off my little talking to people period. <laughs> but now that I'm more affluent in this area, Hopefully you'll join me and learn something because it'll be really exciting. I'm really pumped. Yeah, it's going to be really fun. So join me on mindpalace.net and...
Let's do it. It's gonna be fun. We're gonna change the world one meditative garden at a time. So, thank you very much. Look our Valley signing off.